The year 2020 has been a year of change. Global changes have included COVID-19 pandemic which has resulted in us all having to change our ways, especially with traveling on a global scale. Cutting down air traffic has bound many to their place when the regulations came. The world is not as small or open anymore as it used to be. On a regional scale, there have been wildfires and other natural catastrophes. In societies, some people have demanded rights that they should have by default, more visibly than in years, and there have been demonstrations and confrontations in many places around the world. Individually, people have also gone through changes. Some have lost or quit their job, some found a new one. Some have faced economic challenges and some have overcome them. Relatives, family members and friends have passed away and babies have been born. Relationships have been broken and new have been formed. We haven't been able to see some people important to us physically, but we've been able to connect to them and many others via technology. Children have had to do learning outside of school context and stay away from their important social groups. Adults have had to learn working from home, some meanwhile helping their children in education. We all have faced changes of some kind this year, big or small. We face changes normally also, but this year it has been more rapid, more serious and more visible, and more in number and ways. My name is Jani Kontkanen and you are listening to Mitä Pelataan podcast. This series is called Paragons of Change. It's a series of interviews with people from board gaming sphere whom I've noticed going through changes in recent times. We talk about change and what they have changed in their lives. By default, we do not claim we state facts. We only talk from our own points of view and our opinions. As the discussion might take a negative note at times, we try to finish with a positive by giving you a top 9 list of games. The topic of the list has been chosen by the guest and we will have a battle of the lists after the episode airs in my social media channels. You, dear listener, are encouraged to comment and vote on the lists to see which one of us did better. The award is pride and fame among the small listener base this podcast has. Now, let's invite our paragon for today. This time in the Paragons of Change series, we have our 12th guest, Jeremy Holmes from Blueback Pinkback. Welcome, Jeremy. Uh, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. And if people for some reason don't know who you are, can you tell them who you are and what do you do? I think there's a lot of reasons folks may not know who I am, honestly. But uh, <laughs> uh, I am uh, one of the co-hosts of the Blue Peg Pink Peg uh, board game podcast, along with uh, my good friends uh, Rob and Christina, and occasionally our fourth and host uh, emeritus, uh, Patrick Kelly. Um, and we talk about board games, uh, relationships, and the interaction between the two. So a lot of the, our focus um, is, you know, certainly board game reviews and and the experience of playing them, but also uh, when we can, the ways that games, you know, influence the way our families interact, the way that we uh, they influence our relationships, or how we use board games to, you know, kind of keep keep people together. Um, uh, and further and uh, further relationships and grow relationships. Yeah, I've been listening to your podcast for years, and you're mm-hmm. one of my favorite podcasts. And at some point, you left the podcast, and then you came back. And um, yeah. 
I was a bit sad when you went because I thought <laughs> oh. that now there's no voice of reason. There are just three cra- crazy people <laughs> discussing. No one is telling them to calm down. Uh, but you came back. How yes. was your break? Um, you, you know, at the time, um, yeah, I'd been on the show. It's funny. I think of myself as the new guy still, but I yeah. started the show just a little, uh, I think over a year, it's first year and have been on, you know, was then on for about five years, I think. And, mm-hmm. um, at the time, you know, I was, uh, closing in on, on getting remarried. Uh, my daughter mm-hmm. was getting older, um, uh, and you know, things like this take time. And and it's and it's a it's a lucky thing that we get to do um, on the show and uh, the the work that we put in it is something that we uh, certainly uh, appreciate and are happy to do. But it's still a lot of time, and and so mm-hmm. it was what was happening was that it was really getting really difficult to balance all the stuff that was going on, and so uh, particularly because at the time I I was uh, was still living by my now wife. Uh, and I were still mm-hmm. living in separate households. And so, you know, managing two households and three kids and the whole thing was a lot of work. So it was just made sense to to take a break and focus on making sure my relationship with my daughter Penelope was doing what it needed to do and to focus on uh, Tara. And and over the course of that year, we um, uh, got engaged, moved in together, uh, you know, added uh, a huge game room and stuff onto our house and when all everything settled down, it sort of made sense um, to come back. You begin your um, builder career then. Yeah. Did you, did you build the house or did you just renovate the game room? I don't uh, remember. Yeah, we um, what we did was uh, we had combined ha- households into Tara's house. And mm-hmm. so we, we did a renovation where we added on um, you know, new bedroom space and things like that because we... She has two kids. I have uh, one, but there's no mm-hmm. way that five people are going to live in her house. So um, I was lucky enough to be able to squeeze uh, a nice game room and a library out of that work. To be clear, I did not do this. Uh, these uh-huh. were professionals, though uh, I do blame them. Aren't you professional? I, <laughs> absolutely not. I don't want anyone to get the, uh, <laughs> uh, get the opinion that I know what I'm doing. But... It is kind of funny because I watched uh, I watched them work because we were living in the house while the the addition was being put on, mm-hmm. and uh, when I re- un- recently undertook this greenhouse building project that listeners of the show will have uh, uh, have heard me talk about before, um, mm-hmm. building a greenhouse for my wife, uh, I used the skills I learned from watching them. Um, to help me get started it turns out that's not enough you know i'm not very good (laughs) at it watching someone build something is very different from uh, being taught to build a thing so um but uh yeah so but i guess i guess i learned a little bit and and uh um we we got that space out of there and uh got the family combined and and things settled down and and i guess i got a very lovely game room out of it um, so that's where, like, for the show now, we we play in the game room and and we have a little studio, Rob and Christina's, that we record at. That sounds really good. Uh, is the greenhouse ready now? You've been spamming Twitter for weeks. Yeah. Uh, well, as of uh, I think literally five minutes before you and I started <laughs> talking, uh, Patrick climbed down from the roof 
after having put the last of the roof panels on it. Uh, so it is it is a, a whole building with walls and roof, um, and it needs some work on the inside. But uh, we're we're expecting snow here in Virginia in about three days, so this will be a good mm-hmm. test. Um, and you know, I I cannot say thank Patrick enough because I am terrified of heights. Mm-hmm. And he was climbing up on top of the of this very shoddily assembled <laughs> roof contraption, uh, hammering and nailing and screwing things in, um, and was fearless about it. So uh, I, I came out and told him, "Yeah, I gotta go in and uh, 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 get on the the guest, uh, the podcast guest." And he said, "Well, I'm done." And climbed down, and, and the last <laughs> panel was done. So, um, yeah, it's very exciting. As a matter of fact, when you and I are done here, uh, I've got another hour and a half of daylight that I'm going to go out and finish doing some work on it for the evening. Mm. That's actually great. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, that's my my wife's, uh, as she says, Christmas, birthday, next Christmas, next birthday present is mm-hmm. building this thing. Do you have lots of snow and for a long time there in Virginia? Um. You know, we used to get a, uh, a lot more, but over the past couple of years, our winters have gotten very, very mild. Uh, so today, mm-hmm. you know, Patrick and I are actually this whole weekend, we've been working in T-shirts uh, in the middle wow. of December, which is very unusual. Um, and, and now, you know, it's, it's I don't know, high 60s, low 70s Fahrenheit here, and it'll be snowing on Wednesday. So, uh that's interesting. It's just it's weather. the the We live in like this valley, this weird this weird mountainous valley, and so it it does weird things with weather weather patterns sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But it's nice, you know. It's nice when we can get snow. And I I grew up in, in California, uh, which is not uh, at least uh, <laughs> the area I lived was not known for snow. So I yeah. it's still very magical when I get to see it. No, there's only fires in California this yes. year, at least it seems. Yeah, I'm, I got out at the at the right time, uh, apparently. Yeah, it's not. It's a rough. It's a, a a rough place there now. Yeah, and a rough year in many many ways. Yes, we also get snow here. That's why I was wondering if you get or not. Yeah, we we should have now one meter, but we have maybe two centimeters. We just got more snow last weekend. Oh really? We are supposed to get in a week, and then it will melt again. And I think I've never experienced a Christmas without snow. So let's see how it happens. Oh, I don't know that we've ever. I think we. I've maybe had one, uh, in the twenty some odd years I've lived in Virginia. Uh, over mm-hmm. twenty some odd years I've lived in Virginia now. Uh, we may have had one white Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, we did because I recall, uh, uh, and I hope this doesn't spoil anything for any of your listeners, but we, um, the night before Christmas, we went out and put uh, reindeer footprints in the front yard in the snow. Mm-hmm. So my daughter would see reindeer had, having visited from Santa Claus That's the, cool. the, the night before. So I do. So we had at least one, one snowy Christmas morning. Yeah, we have the Christmas elves speaking from the windows to keep the children calm here. Oh yeah, <laughs> saying that they're they're coming to check you. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, and it... some people might make these footprints, or maybe they ask a neighbor to come and knock on the window or something. Oh like yeah, that. creepy stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of funny. Christmas is this very joyous sort of holiday, and yet it involves a whole lot of 
uh, a sinister figure spying on children to make sure they're behaving <laughs> like vermlings. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> very uh, Big Brother sort of uh, sort of stuff when you think about it. Yeah. So you said that you married this year. This has been a very crazy year, yes. <laughs> all in all. Yes. In good and in bad, but. I think this marriage is probably on the good side. Yes. What do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we joke. We uh, My wife and I got married uh, January 11th of this year. Mm-hmm. And yes, we we were married at uh, at our house. So we decided, we, we joked that we, we turned our, our wedding into a combination uh, uh, open house uh, and wedding ceremony no. for all of our friends. And... Um, yeah, we had a hundred something people, and this yeah. It, it, now obviously that would that would be unthinkable, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So we beat by about two months um, the whole onset of the COVID pandemic, and we have so many friends who have uh, gotten married since that, and we watch people get virtual have virtual weddings, mm-hmm. things like that, and we we count ourselves very lucky having um, managed to get ours done uh, early. Although Tara might say that, you know, we were, we were uh, dating for like eight years. So she might say it was a little late. (laughs) That might be. (laughs) So it wasn't a rust decision. You had time to think. As as you said, I'm a very reasonable person. So I made sure I, (laughs) I, I thought this all out. Yeah. So how has it been? Did you, did you manage to go to a honeymoon or was everything blocked or you are just waiting for the year to end? Yeah, the the honeymoon did fall through. We had a big plan um, to go down to uh, Charleston, South Carolina um, mm-hmm. on the coast. And I, uh, I have a good friend of mine uh, here in Roanoke who is a big foodie. And as it turns out, he has had a lot of food connections in... Charleston and so he had put together like a dining itinerary for three or four days so we mm-hmm. had just this huge wonderful plan and getting a place on the beach and all these great restaurants and museums <laughs> and um, South Carolina we, we were we were trying to see if we could still pull something off even though things were closing and and like mm-hmm. a week before we were due to leave the restaurant started calling us and canceling our reservations and saying they were closing mm-hmm. and we get, we got to the point where uh, the Airbnb host said um, they were they were still eager for us to come and spend the money obviously um, yeah but the beaches had all closed except to residents in South Carolina and uh, our Airbnb host said something along the lines of, well, yeah, we can like let you in and, and walk behind you. So it looks like your residence. <laughs> and yeah, when it got to the point where we were going to be chaperoned by our, our hosts at the beach, it, <laughs> it didn't feel like a honeymoon anymore. So uh, yeah, yeah, we, we I have like yet... the first date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Someone watching us, making sure we were uh, in under curfew, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we we didn't we didn't get to do any of that, so that that will be you know, postponed. But now it just means we have something else to look forward to, hopefully next year. 
Yeah, that beach actually reminded me that you went on a holiday trip in the summer. I was laughing a lot when I was listening to your struggles in the water. Yes. And uh, how fun you had with the kids there. And yes. It's <laughs> probably been a good experience getting yeah. along with more children than you're used to in the same house and everything. Has it, has it been a good experience for you, in your opinion, getting used to living in a... I mean, living in the same house with now with a family of five instead of two. Yeah. Well, you know, so um, my my first marriage, um, you know, Penelope's mom, she had two sons. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we got married, I married into two teenage boys, and then mm-hmm. Penelope came along. So I I started at at a house of, of five people. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, and then obviously you know, we, we got divorced and it was just Penelope and I and, and, and obviously much quieter. But uh, when uh, Tara and I met and we were sort of integrating things and, and her kids were, were younger, um, I always had to remind her, like, look, I've been through teenagers already. I've, you know, mm-hmm. Penelope was 12 years younger than her, um, her next uh, her, the, the youngest of, of uh, Maria's two boys mm-hmm. so uh, uh, yeah it's it's I guess it's been it's been a little bit of a roller coaster you know starting <laughs> starting with three kids going to one and now back up to back up to three and and getting to experience teenagers kids go through the whole teenage process twice now so <laughs> yeah and you get to see it yes also. yeah I, I was a little bit more prepared but there's still there's uh, every teenager is a teenager in their own special way, which is yeah, often it's very a abduction. different decade. Yes, yeah, it, it's it has a huge role also. This digitalization and everything—it's so different. Mm-hmm. If you think like fifteen years back, right, or even less back, everything is so different for the oh, teenagers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but um, uh, Penelope's brothers didn't have access like i mean i guess it's it's not worth going into details other than just saying the just mm-hmm. the things they have access to technology video tiktok all this kind of stuff is just such a different yeah. kind of world um yeah uh and it's you know it's it's interesting and, and gratifying watching kids navigate and succeed um at at these at these various new challenges and 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 to be concerned when they fail because everybody does yeah so obviously you're satisfied and happy with your decision to marry marry again <laughs> i i think in the podcast even you sound a bit happier this year although the year has been crazy but yeah i, I don't know how but you seem more relaxed than before you left the show first time yeah, I, I, I could I could see that. Yeah, I'm, I guess I don't know that I I've I've heard that, but it, I it's I, I guess Tara would say that she would be glad to hear that that <laughs> that sounds like that that's the case. Yeah, and you're not even droopy anymore like earlier. Rob was saying all the time. You don't even care anymore. You just say, "Oh well, I'm a droop." <laughs> uh, you know, so you just got you have to own it. You know, that's that's definitely Rob's. Uh, uh, sort of contribution to, well, we all we all have our part to play and, and yeah, the, yeah, the, of course, the, our, our role and and you know being being a little uh, team droops, I guess, droopy dog is, yeah, is yeah. mine. <laughs> of course. Um, 
how about otherwise this year 2020 how has it been for you if you think like all the struggles and all the mm -hmm. very interesting things happening especially in the u.s there has been right. many other things than elsewhere in the world right you've had a very very interesting year there <laughs> over yeah. the atlantic ocean that uh, other countries people can't maybe even imagine how it's been in there yeah you know i often i often think and and you know tara's uh british so mm -hmm. we we inherently have someone who still sort of thinks about the the United States from a an outsider or an outside mm. perspective. She always she always sort of feels a little bit more like she's standing out and looking in, though she's been here quite a while. Mm. So you know, we we do think a lot about God. What does what does the rest of the world think about? you know, just what's going on here and, and how we, how we behave. Um, you know, speaking of teenagers, I often think that the United States is a little bit of a teenager. It's one of the teenage nations of the world. And we, we behave like that from time to time. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a good metaphor actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I think like everyone else, um, it's, it's been difficult. I, I, have to acknowledge you know, uh, my family we're very lucky in that um, our jobs haven't been compromised by uh, the mm -hmm. impact of COVID and no, uh, so many people within our industry within the board game industry in the world in general have been hit hard um, mm -hmm. it, it, by uh, losing work and losing opportunities and, and we've been lucky that we haven't we've got you know, our our family is very solid, and we we largely like being around each other, and so that mm -hmm. makes being isolated together uh, easier to to deal with. Um, I think, yeah, as a parent, one of the things that's been very difficult is in our case, and I know this isn't true everywhere in the world, but in our case, mm -hmm. our kids have been um, doing virtual school since March. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been hard. You know, we're, we're, our, the teachers aren't prepared for it. They're getting better, but <laughs> they're really, uh, it's not a skill set they have either from the technology or just how to work with kids. And it's not one I would have expected them to have. And, mm -hmm. you know, this is a really hard age to kind of lose that structure, that externally uh, established structure, and to be more on mm -hmm. your own. Um, and uh, you know, watching them kind of work through it, they, everyone's doing fine, but it's not easy. And they're yeah. losing their social a little bit. Some of their social bonds, um, you know, those are fraying a bit. It's hard to maintain friendships over the internet. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that that's probably been the hardest thing is just to worry about what is this year what kind of impact is this going to have on uh what our children are what's going to happen with them in the next couple of years we got uh, tara's son is going to college next year so mm -hmm. you know that's like how do you go what's what's it like to go to college or apply to colleges immediately out of a pandemic you know um, yeah so and missed the, missed the last year in school in a way yeah yeah that's it's 
it, it worries me a bit is that uh, the concern that there's that there's a lost year in here somewhere, yeah. um, and I don't know. I mean, our kids are they're smart kids and they're strong kids and they they're doing fine, um, but you're as a parent you still you still worry when there's this kind of upheaval, yeah. um, and uh, especially when we we're not exactly sure how things will play out mm-hmm. uh there's still a lot of unknown and and a parent's brain tends to you know go to go to crisis mode sometimes yeah, yeah. over things like this you know you're you're a dad so yeah but that, i have a young kid still mm-hmm. so i don't even want to think about these things yet. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um have they stayed home for this long time since March? Didn't the schools open, or how, how was it in there? You know, in um, it's it is different all over the country, and even mm-hmm. within um, within Virginia, different counties and school districts do it differently. In our case, um, all of our kids' schools went one hundred percent virtual. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and since our kids are all, you know, 16, 17, 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. um, those upper level, level schools have largely stayed virtual. Some of the elementary level schools have gone back for the okay. younger kids, but, um, that hasn't been the case for us, but a county just immediately next door to us, they've been in school the whole mm-hmm. time. So, <laughs> That's you know, interesting. It, it's, it, there's not, it, there's not much consistency um so uh yeah so in our case they've been they've been working or you know uh, uh schooling from home uh, since march yeah they're due to go back at the end of january but i don't mm-hmm. we're we're not sure if that's going to happen even yeah but that's really really long break yeah the schools were closed here for two months mm-hmm. in spring and they have been open since but yeah. now they said that the high school should be in distance learning yeah for maybe three weeks now because the situation got worse here now yeah but but somewhere was really easy here we had like 10 cases a week or something like that in the whole country yeah but then it went crazy in autumn because people felt the need to go abroad during summer uh, and yeah bring it back in yeah we're yeah we're um seeing some big increases in, in COVID cases um, over yeah. the last couple of weeks. It's, it's in the United States, it's largely worse now than it was in the spring when everything first started. So yeah, it's uh, the same here. Yeah. But you know, we're doing, we're doing our best. We got online games. Penelope and I are doing escape room games. We're wrapping up a greenhouse. So Tara can do some gardening <laughs> over the winter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Or maybe not some yeah. kind of horror house, That's... as you like that that theme. Yeah. <laughs> she goes to check it out, and you just put the lock and escape but, there. <laughs> hopefully, there won't be any creepy elves <laughs> hanging around outside the greenhouse when uh, when Tar's working out there. So <laughs> that's a good plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about you? I mean, how are I, I know you've got a, you've got a young one, and and yeah. um, you know you're a, a gamer, and I'm assuming that that your gaming has uh as a, a lot of us has, has you know uh, uh whittled away a bit so how, how have you and your family been doing 
Uh, we've been doing fine. We both work at the university, so we mm-hmm. were told that we are not allowed to the campus for the whole spring. So we just carried the things out. We had one day. They gave us one day notice that take uh-huh. all the things home and work from there. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so we just carried the things home and we've been working from home until now from the midway okay. of March. Um, it's not very good at some point and at some point you work too much and some point you don't work enough and it's it's a bit difficult sometimes yeah. depending on the tasks that you should do teaching is fine but when you're supposed to write something i feel that i can't focus as well at home as right. i could at the university so that's a bit bad mm-hmm. but otherwise work wise it's been fine and our daughter is in kinder kindergarten or daycare actually as you are supposed to call it nowadays and the daycare (laughs) is like 100 meters from us so oh wow okay just taking her in the morning and then we come back home (laughs) one of us who who wakes up goes and takes her and then the other one probably goes and picks her up and the daycare has been open all the time there hasn't been any covid cases in there and actually the city i live in we've been quite fortunate we didn't have any cases in the summer at all here but now this autumn especially november there's something happening there are lots of these pilings i mean lots of cases in some small area here and people are in quarantine and uh, i don't know let's see how the christmas goes yeah <laughs> but yeah. as far as the gaming goes we have our board game club at the university and that was closed in march mm-hmm. then it opened in at the end of august i think and okay. we were gathering there with the 10 people limit and we had to wear masks yeah and it closed now one month ago i think a person came came there on thursday and said that next week you won't have this club that we will close this tomorrow oh wow (laughs) okay and now we are doing it on distance using discord and playing on somewhere board game arena mostly because the people here all in the game club we don't really use tabletop simulator yeah that would be the best way to do it but yeah it costs and the students especially don't really want to pay for that yeah and learn it that's fair yeah. but board game arena has been good i'm yeah. mostly playing with my game group and then some other people from abroad who i could not play with like you and rob and patrick and some other people from other podcasts uh-huh well, I mean, we, we played uh, probably the longest game of Kalis I've ever played in my <laughs> life uh, on, on Board Game Arena. So uh, Yeah, that, that, that was crazy. It took so long because every single action you do at once and then it, you wait and wait and wait. And yeah. then again, a small action. Yeah. And you probably played the best game of Lewis and Clark you've ever played in Board Game Arena. Also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you said that I'm the best in this game. I will win. And what happened? <laughs> oh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe you said that you didn't remember how it works. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I had uh, had learned it uh, actually at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, for some mm-hmm. friends of mine, we went uh, hot and heavy into some board game arena stuff every night because everyone was mm-hmm. like just itching to do some online gaming. And yeah. I learned Lewis and Clark. And then when you and I uh, uh, played it. I had promptly forgotten everything I, I had learned. <laughs> so I was sort of, uh, uh, I'm sort of feeling my way uh, back through it again. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I noticed. 
Actually, when we <laughs> talked with pa- <laughs> when we talked with Patrick, we were talking about the city of the big soldiers. Yeah. And he said that you and Rob might want to try it, and I sent you invitations. But it seems that Rob and you didn't want to try it. Yeah, so you know, we're just playing it three player now. I, I and I had meant to, I saw that, and 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 the game itself is one that I'm interested. When I saw it pop up in BGA, I, I had been interested, but um, the the Kalis game and and we had been. <laughs> We had been playing some other, some other groups of mine, um, uh, terraforming Mars, uh, turn based on Steam, and mm-hmm. we we that we'd... might be long. Yeah, yeah. So not only did it take a while, but last week uh, Steam did an update, and then uh-huh. suddenly I couldn't get into the game anymore. It wasn't the game Ouch. was not compatible with the update, and so I had to forfeit both the games I was in. After mm-hmm. playing for like a month, so I got mad. Ouch. Ouch, ouch, ouch! Yeah, threw a little fit, and I'm not. I was, I was like, I can't do a, I can't do another uh, turn-based online game for a while. <laughs> City of the Big Soldiers is not as bad as Car- this Kalos. I okay. wouldn't play Kalos again turn-based ever. That yeah. takes just way, way too long. Yeah, it's it seems to be the same case with William Attia's other game, this Spurium, Spirium. Oh, yeah. That's also in board game arena. I just started it, but it seems that it is a bit slowly advancing if people are not taking their turns. But City of the Big Soldiers works very well and is quite quick, actually. Okay. And Patrick was Patrick was telling that you would want to play Nippon also there, that you like it. I like that one a lot. play that also. Yeah. Yeah, it's very well done in board game arena, that yeah. one. Uh, I used to get so, on just on a random Sunday and, and join you know, whoever had a game open. And just mm-hmm. and just play it just for the heck of it because I really enjoy that one. Yeah, it's a great game, and works very well. Yeah. The world has been changing this year mm-hmm. a lot, due to many different things. There have been some kind of global catastrophes, and then some, not some, lots of political issues of different kinds, right. especially in there. And the world has been changing, and people have been changing, and. What do you think about change? Oh, you know, well, that's a big question. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously, change is is something that happens and that you've got to embrace. You know, I've been through, you know, working my way through five kids and all of the changes that are associated with that, and and my relationship changes and all these have been good changes you know Mm -hmm. in the end and when you're facing it at the front side it's often it's often very scary um you know but those i think it's one thing when you're facing down small personal changes i think the challenge this year for a lot of people and and certainly myself included Mm-hmm. is that the changes that we're seeing um, are so far out of our control. Um, <laughs> you know, whether it's the political thing, whether it's what's happening with climate, uh, whether it's the pandemic, um, I, I know that, that it's a recurring theme that I have felt and that I have heard is that, uh, you know, what do we do? What, what, can, mm-hmm. what can I do in the face of this? Um, and we can't, there's just a lot of things that as an individual person, you don't really have any power to address these things. And so the struggle has been, 
maintaining some normalcy, finding joy when you can. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think that, you know, there's, there's some opportunities. I, 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 I hate to be the kind of Pollyanna person who says <laughs> there's always a good, there's always something good that mm-hmm. happens. Cause I don't believe that's true. I think sometimes life is bad and I think, mm-hmm. I think bad things happen and, um, and there's just no avoiding it uh, and nothing no. good comes out of it. And the best you can do is, uh, uh, endure, um, mm-hmm. which I don't, yeah. So there's, there's the droopy dog coming, coming back. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't like to be a person who says that, that, that good things happen because people have suffered. And I think it's not fair to minimize that. Um, but that said, I do see people who are struggling to use this time to redefine something about themselves, maybe start uh, a new a new job or a vocation or uh, mm-hmm. revisit something in their life, you know, an uh, art or writing or music or uh, board game design, or, you know, something that they mm-hmm. maybe thought that they were not going to be able to ever tackle. Um, and this has kind of forced them into a position where they they have time and opportunity to to do that. So, yeah, I think I think change is particularly as big as this scale does force us or, or, or allow us maybe to think about if what we're doing is something we really want to do. But I also mm-hmm. know that change, like I said, it's sometimes the best you can do is put your head down Uh protect the people around you you know hold everyone you can as close as you can and make it through to the end and that's that's fine that's a victory i think uh and uh, i think people should be commended for simply taking care of themselves um Mm -hmm. and making it through as whole as possible when we're faced with something like this also, the changes have been quite rapid this year. Yeah. Compared to normality or the normal situation, it right. hasn't been this much with this uh, this high volume or this much loudness in a way. Yeah. And this rapidly and this drastically and this, I mean, everything has changed really too much in a short period of time. Yeah. In a way. It yeah. has been an endurance practice. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it this does. It, it is a, it is a real struggle when you feel like you've made it past one obstacle, and then something else changes. You know, mm. when you're worried about being sick, and then your economic or job situation changes, and then you've got to yeah. deal with that, and you know, then you got a wildfire in your backyard, yeah. and now you've got to deal with that. You know. Um, mm. It's, it's, um, I don't blame people for feeling overwhelmed at this point in time. <laughs> yeah. Do you get tornadoes there, by the way? Do they come that deep inland where you are? Because they go along the coast at least. No, so we, um, we, the worst that we get is maybe ice storms in the winter. We don't get, mm-hmm. we're far enough, uh, towards the coast and in the mountains that we don't get tornadoes we're far Mm -hmm. enough inland that when hurricanes go up the coast 
we can get bad storms and, and we do get we do get flooding um mm-hmm. but uh we don't get generally don't get the uh the same kind of destructive sort of things that other other parts of the uh, of the country get that said a number yeah. of years ago a very small tornado did set down in my neighborhood a few blocks mm-hmm. away and tear up someone's tree so that i mean that's <laughs> okay that's the extent right so it was a baby okay. tornado with very yeah. minimal damage yeah i actually meant hurricane but i mm. didn't understand there's a difference because we just call them with one name basically here yeah so yeah hurricane is the one on the sea and tornado is the inland one I yes think. Yeah. We, yeah we we managed to miss both depend yeah we're <laughs> yeah. we're far enough away from both that we don't we 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 get the we certainly get the storm part of hurricanes yeah um, and that's been pretty consistent uh this has been one of the wettest years on record in in uh, my part of virginia so we're getting yeah. a lot of rain um, it seems to be the same here yeah. for some reason. We don't get any other disasters. We don't get earthquakes or anything. Yeah. Fires very rarely, but not yeah. this year that much. Yeah. So yeah, that's at least that's one thing we don't have to worry about in in Virginia so much. It's it's, <laughs> it's hor- horrifying weather disasters. Maybe is it knock on wood? Something will yeah. happen. <laughs> I'll say that, and then you know who knows? We're gonna a blizzard uh this week and uh, <laughs> yeah. be snowed in for a... greenhouse will fall and everything yeah <laughs> you're jinxing it <laughs> yeah it's it, if that greenhouse falls that's it that was we're not rebuilding it <laughs> uh, do you think you yourself have changed during this year if you think from the beginning of the year that you remarried with one arm and <laughs> then you rebuilt yourself and mm-hmm. yeah, that's right um, I don't, uh, have I changed? Yeah. Have I, you do, changed? I don't know that. I mean, I, I don't know. Let me put it this way. I'm, you know, my daughter's 15 and a half. We were looking mm-hmm. at college stuff. I'm 44, which isn't old, but it's certainly on that, in that trend. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that to the extent I've, I've changed, it's, um, just from hitting that point in one's life when one is making sure that, uh, one is where one wants to be, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, career wise, you know, certainly getting married, that was, uh, you know, obviously, uh, uh, the commitment that, um, I was ready to make. And, mm-hmm. but like I said, Tara and I have been together for many, many years. So, mm-hmm. so the, the marriage was sort of, uh, a formality. Uh, I yeah. would say she may not agree with that. Um, but for my <laughs> part, I will say that I felt like it was, it was a formality. It wasn't a massive, like m- milestone that marked a different way of, of, of living and of, and of mm-hmm. being together. Um, so I don't know that I have that much, uh, at least not directly inspired by how awful and bizarre this year has been. Mm-hmm. With maybe the exception, I will say this: mm-hmm. I have, a, uh, I've mostly 
been a very introverted person. I've always had very small groups of friends and been very, very ha happy just to be mostly on my own and with a very small group of people around me. But this year has shown me that um, I have come to appreciate the breadth of friendships that I have mm -hmm. formed through being on the show, um, through, you know, meeting folks like you, even if, if our, our experiences have all been uh, virtual, Mm -hmm. uh, they're nonetheless there there are kinds of relationships forged that uh, I've I've discovered that I appreciate and rely on more than I thought I did so mm -hmm. not, not being able to access those and um, you know be with more people do things with conventions um, just have those experiences I guess it's it's been a realization that I that I have changed previous to this year in a way that I maybe wasn't aware of, mm -hmm. and it's it's maybe brought that out, um, because like a lot of people, you know, I've been very sad at not being able to connect with people as much, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't I think being sad was a surprise. You know, uh, and it, it's a, it caught me off guard how much I relied on that. Um, and that's, yeah. that's a bit of a revelation, I guess. You mentioned conventions. Have you attended them virtually? Um, I have not. We, yeah. and part of it, and this is, yeah, I, I know, I know lots of folks who did and have, have had great times, mm -hmm. but for me, it was almost not worth being disappointed by the experience or rather, <laughs> and, and I, what I mean is I, that the folks who put on, you know, the virtual origins and the virtual gen cons and so forth, um, mm -hmm. and Essens, they did, they did the best job they could. And in many cases that yeah. one, they did amazing jobs for, for the speed at which they had to turn these experiences around still take undertaking these efforts to give publishers and designers a platform to show off what they were working mm -hmm. on and to give um, gamers an opportunity to still interact, learn new games. I mean, these folks did a remarkable jobs with the technology, uh, with the, the organization involved and so forth. And I just have enormous respect for what they did, but nonetheless, mm -hmm. it's going to be a different experience. Yeah. And I think for me, it, it would have made me more sad to have that experience knowing how far away, away it was from, uh, what I get out of conventions. And I, I guess mm -hmm. I will clarify, uh, I we have these experiences, I think, and I and I think Rob and Christina and, and Patrick would all say the same thing. But we have uh, our experience with convention is is getting to meet our listeners, meet friends we haven't seen in a long time, sit down at mm -hmm. tables and and play games, talk with folks, go out to dinner, wander around hallways and have conversations. Certainly, it's to play games. Certainly, it's to meet with publishers and get those new experiences, but. It's really more, I think, for us about the people involved. 
for the mm-hmm. folks who do conventions just to learn new games, they want to see what such and such a designer has put out, what such and such a publisher has put out. Um, mm-hmm. I think they probably had a great experience because they still got to yeah. do those things. So it's all about what you get, what you looked for um, in that convention experience. Uh, what it gave you, um, I think, would define uh, how much you enjoyed that. So that's why for us, watching videos of interviews and, and gameplays and, and things like that was not the primary thing that I get out of the convention experience. And so I sort of didn't want to do that to myself. Yeah, I'm I'm actually the same because it mm-hmm. doesn't feel probably how it feels right. being really in the convention. And also it actually came into I, me making a decision that I've been sitting in front of the computer all week. Do right. I want to do that during weekend, which yes. is a family time in a way right. that we are trying to not work on weekends with the wife because this university work can really drag so that you might want to do something in the weekend or might have to, although you're not allowed to in a way. Right. <laughs> but uh, sometimes it might go for to the weekend and we are trying not to work on weekends and I'm trying not to open the computer. I'm not even playing this board game arena or Yukata games. I just go in the evening, do my turns and then don't open it until the next day. Yeah. <laughs> so in the weekend, I try to stay away from the computer. And I just thought that, no, I'm not sitting in front of the computer. It's not a convention. It's just time away from the others. I can wait a year. I agree. I think that was another thing that felt like, particularly when I was working from home and and the the barriers or the the border between am I at work, am I at home was gone since I'm at the same yeah. the same place. I don't think I, I wanted to do that for another 16 hours or something over the course of the Yeah, weekend. exactly. So, <laughs> my thoughts my exactly. But, if I was working from the office, maybe then I yeah. would have popped in and something, but yeah, yeah. No. But at the same time, you know, the board game industry is still going and these there's still yeah. jobs and that rely on it and designers are still designing and publishers are still publishing so it was it was a hard decision insofar as i'm always really focused on supporting people in the industry and supporting the mm-hmm. people who make the games that we like so much um yeah. and this the conventions are critically important to their business and so yeah, Hopefully we found some other ways to be supportive and helpful um, that, that didn't involve the conven- the, the virtual uh, convention attendance. Yeah. I'm trying to find out about games from elsewhere, not yeah. from the virtual conventions. Yeah. It, it's fine, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. Actually, by the way, we agreed with Patrick that he will bring you to UK Games Expo one year and we'll meet there. Yeah, he, he was talking about that, and um, uh, yeah, that would be a good excuse to get Tara to to be able to come home and visit for a little while, and then we could come yeah. to the, the UK Games Expo. Yeah, I think that's a good Yeah, idea. I was thinking the same. It would be really good for Tara to visit home and maybe take the kids with also. Yeah, yeah, that's that, a good that point. That might be really good. Yeah. Okay, so that's a deal then. Uh, yeah, it's Maybe a deal. Not next year, but, Done. Sealed. <laughs> but whenever it's possible. <laughs> next time, next time there's a game expo, we'll be there. Yeah, I don't know if they're arranging it next year. Maybe they try to, but yeah, maybe they don't. I don't know. 
How about the future? What do you expect from the future? For yourself or for the world or however you want oh, to consider that question? Uh, you know, I'm not even going to try to predict what's in store for the world. Uh, <laughs> other than to say that um, I hope that whatever is happening next, um, humanity faces it down with the best of us, the best parts of us, because mm-hmm. we've, we've seen an awful lot of the worst parts of us, I think, over the last um, couple years. Um, and I think if we're going to get out of this situation and recover, yeah, we're going to have to work pretty hard as a, as a species. Um <laughs> Uh, and, and, and be more kind to each other. So I don't know if that, 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 that's something I expect. Um, I'm, I would, I hope that that is, um, what we do for for me. Yeah. I think one of the things that's facing me down is that, um, you know, my, my daughter turns 16 in a few months Mm -hmm. and, uh, Tar's oldest son will be in college next year. Um, our daughters will be in college in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking at some pretty big changes to, um, our life in the next, in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, we're hoping that next year things return to normal a bit so we can, we can travel and, and get as much time in with our kids as we can, uh, and explore, um, and uh, I don't know. I think that you know, those are certainly things that are that are facing us down. I will simply be happy if uh, things calm down enough that I don't have to kind of wake up screaming every day a little bit, <laughs> and uh, uh, and kind of focus on uh, reclaiming some normalcy. I guess I don't know if that's a good answer to your question. You yeah, know, it's a good answer. Uh, I just be, try to be ready for whatever happens next. I guess. No. That that's a good point. <laughs> ready, ready for whatever happens. Yeah. Because you can't know, like you couldn't know one year ago what yeah. is happening. <laughs> yeah. If uh, if you had told me uh, two years ago uh, that. Uh, yeah, we'd all be wearing masks. We wouldn't be seeing our friends. We'd have murder hornets and wildfires. Oh, and... you have those as well. Yeah. I, those hornets are very interesting. I've been reading from the news that it's a bit late there if you don't take any action. So. Yeah, we, we've seen some. But it's just like everything that's happening is out of the headlines of a, a, an apocalyptic novel. Or um, from a Bible. Yeah, exactly. A little, a little bit of, of revelations action <laughs> yeah. here. Um, yeah, but I guess I will for that. I'd say for that that if we're in the middle or at the early parts of the of, of the end of the world, it is way more dull. Like there are these moments of utter terror, but mostly mm-hmm. it's really boring. <laughs> until <you're> disappointed <laughs> until the next horrifying thing happens there's just a lot of being just waiting and being tired so did you expect an old one or something to come up yeah you know i, I expected a, a little bit more uh brimstone and the sky cracking open and and <laughs> the 
other world light from other worlds pouring through or something like that um and who knows it's not over yet we've still got a couple more weeks of 2020 um and you know 2021 doesn't have to be better it could it could try to one-up 2020 so I'll, I'll take to be clear i will take a really boring apocalypse over a more exciting <laughs> one uh just to get that on record do you have anything to add to this discussion or should we move on to the top nine lists oh i i could i'm certain i could i could wax on and fill time but you know i i, I guess if i if i were to say anything else it would it would be that it's been an incredibly hard year um, mm-hmm. for everyone, you know, for all over the world. Um, yeah. And this is definitely a year where, if I hope if anybody's learned anything, it's how we can be kinder to ourselves. Because so, mm-hmm. you know, people are, are failing and falling down and it's inevitable and it's fine. It's absolutely fine. Um, and certainly in the U S the tar will talk about this. We're very much a, you know, go get better. This is an opportunity, not a challenge. Da, 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 da. And there's a real, there's a real pressure, I think, to constantly succeed and to, to constantly, improve in some way and i don't i just don't think that that has been feasible um and i i hope that people un, you know are are not as hard on themselves in this particular time of change um and mm-hmm. and maybe don't feel the pressure on themselves to change you know that this doesn't mm-hmm. have to be uh, this this thing forced on them um but that we you know, do your best and, and, and we'll be okay. And everyone is having the same awful experience you have in some way and everyone is struggling. So, you know, I, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, I'm not leaving you on a high note here. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, but it's okay, you know, cause it hasn't been a high note, but we'll be fine. No, that's good. It's good to move on to the uh, yeah. Happy let's let's talk about and... some some other a, a much happier uh, a much happier theme and topic, right? <laughs> yeah. So this time we have a top nine list chosen by. Jeremy and uh, it's a horrible one because the theme is <laughs> horror, creepy right. or t- tension. At least that's what I've written down. Yes. Why did you choose this difficult <laughs> topic? Uh, for whatever reason, I've always been a fan of scary stuff. Uh, I've always read um, scary novels. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft in particular is uh, a favorite of mine and there's something about the the world of, of of horror of not quite understanding what's out there what's hiding behind the corner what's behind the closed door 
mm -hmm. always uh, intrigued me. And, and I think it's because, you know, I like, and I think people who like this stuff enjoy the sense of being scared in a safe way. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, horror games is a, is a tricky one because it's not very horrific generally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's certainly games with monsters and kind of uh, uh, horrific themes, and so I thought it'd be fun to to play around with with something in that space. This was really difficult for me. <laughs> I had to go. I mean, I couldn't pick the games easily. I had to go to Board Game Geek and see the category horror uh -huh. and see what's in there. Yeah, that helped helped a bit because I don't own many of this style of games. Yeah, and this is probably the first list so far that I don't own all of the games. Oh wow! I have one, two, three, four, four games, five games on the list that I have owned at some point okay. or have played at some point, but I don't own them anymore. I think so. Um it's funny that I proposed this topic and then when I actually got into coming up with the top nine list, I found mm. I had to maybe stretch my own rules a little <laughs> bit to make things fit. So all of the games that I've got on my list, I do own, but people, when they hear me say, talk about them as a horror game might be surprised. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I guess we'll see. We'll see where that goes, and then people can write me uh, challenging emails or board game geek messages <laughs> uh, all they want, and we'll have a conversation about it. Yeah. How did you arrange your list? Is the number one the one that you like the most, or yeah? So, way? so um, yeah, it's it's uh, nine. The the game I I guess the bottom of the list. Number one is my my favorite in this in this uh, theme. And the way that I arranged these in the end um, was not necessarily my favorite, least favorite to most favorite. But mm -hmm. you know, when I when I put that word tension in there as as a way to think about horror games, what I the way I've organized these are the games that within the horror theme I find invoke the least amount of tension to the mm -hmm. ones that invoke the most amount of tension. So. You know, in the same way that if you're watching a scary movie, um, that the moment where you're, you know, is there a ghost behind the corner or the people, you know, the protagonists are making their way down the dark stairs into a basement, um, invoke those moments of, of tension. That's sort of what the way that I've gone about it. Yeah, I did actually the same. Okay. My, my my number one is the one that I feel is the most tense okay. game during the gameplay. Yeah. But all of my games are not really horror. But yeah. I went with the tension first and then I checked the... I mean, I <laughs> decided that these, these games, I feel like there's a lot of tension. Then I checked the category from Board Game Geek. I added games and I removed some that are clearly not tense or horrific enough yeah okay well this will be this will be interesting to see what we both did in this within this i have theme. a few that are not horror yeah. games at least two for sure are not horror games but others might be somehow yeah <laughs> touching the horror <laughs> feeling do you have any honorable mentions oh um 
Oh God, probably too many to to mention. What I'll do is is some of these games there was maybe some competition mm-hmm. for something within a particular space. So mm-hmm. maybe when I get there, I can talk about you know why I decided on this particular game over something else in my collection that I've played that's kind of the same uh the same feeling it yeah. evokes the same feeling as whatever i ended up settling on yeah i have some games that i've used in earlier lists and i try not to reuse the games uh-huh. i have arkham horror second edition and xenoswift onslaught and mansions of madness second edition and okay. also first edition they're that kind of games i've used earlier they would have definitely been on this list yeah and xenoswift especially it would have been Maybe number one or two. It is so tense. Uh-huh. Same with Arkham Horror. When it goes to the end and it's up to one roll. <laughs> and right. Arkham Horror is really difficult with the rolls. So. Right. Yeah, well, and spoiler alert, you will probably see some of those on my list. <laughs> so I, <laughs> okay, it'll, be, it'll be fun to talk about your experience with them when I, when I, uh, when I get there. Yeah. One of the most horrible games I didn't add to the list is Kimball. That's the Finnish name for trouble. Oh, okay. It's a hor- horrible game. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that would have been stretching a bit too much. <laughs> I, I I will say now that you mentioned that the one that I thought about adding uh, was Jenga. <laughs> That's actually this is really tense. That's a good pick. That would have been yeah. totally fun. And, and in the end, I tried to still stick with some something of a horrific theme, although. Um, there is a role-playing hmm. game called Dread that mm-hmm. uses the Jenga tower as its uh, success and failure mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, that might have been. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So, uh, so maybe that will be my honorable mention. Is wow. uh, I think Jenga inherently, but you know, in some of its applications, it is certainly uh, maybe one of the most tense games out there, if not the most tense game out there. It sounds really good. The longer mm-hmm. the game goes, the more difficult it goes. Yeah, it it sounds really interesting. Yeah, it's a neat wow. it's a neat game. Uh, it's a neat idea behind it. And at uh, uh, at first, when people are making decisions, they take them very lightly. And as the yeah. game goes on, they're like, "Oh man, we shouldn't have done that because now <laughs> look how hard things are later, when we really need it to be easy." And uh, and now it's not. So uh, it's funny to watch that revelation yeah. on your players' faces when they're going through that experience. That sounds awesome. Wow. Anyway, we go the list from 9 to 1, mm-hmm. so that 9, 9, 8, 8, 7, 7, and so on and so forth. Okay. And we've had the thing with all the guests that the guests can be the announcers. Okay. So you can try to be Eric Summerer or whoever <laughs> you think is a good announcer i think he is good but so you announce the number and go on with your pick for that number and then it's my turn and we can comment on each other's games and let's see what happens okay okay well then we will start with number nine Uh, i don't know Mm -hmm. if that's a good eric summer or not but uh it's it's about you it's about as deep you do you it's (laughs) as smooth and deep as i'm gonna get um so my (laughs) number nine you don't have to be eric somewhere be you (laughs) how you would announce Uh, number nine uh my number nine is uh this is where i'm already starting to challenge the horror theme but uh australia this Mm -hmm. is the martin wallace uh, cthulhu game that is 
the sequel to the sequel of sorts, I guess, to uh, uh, Study an Emerald. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, it I really like. Obviously, it's got a mythos setting. It's this idea that uh, that uh, it's in Australia some years after or decades after this whole. Uh, Victorian setting for the Cthulhu stuff in uh, Study in Emerald, and now the Great Old Ones and all the various monsters are coming back. But what's what I find that's funny about it is that it's a train game. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's Wallace's. It's another one of Wallace's sort of resource collection, uh, uh, track laying sort of games. It's it's very much. Um, a euro in that regard uh and then there's a moment at the end of the game where it switches to mm-hmm. the arrival of the great old one or you know the the big the big bad at the end where all of the work you've done with your your kind of train building game now pivots to this struggle against the uh the the final boss uh, and this this cosmic horror and mm-hmm. uh, obviously, it's it's my number nine because I do I really enjoy the game. It's 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 kind of silly fun. Martin Wallace is one of my favorite designers. Uh, they, he works in a very similar space with all of his games, and so it was just interesting to see his kind of exploration of this idea. It's obviously got the mythos, so I like anytime someone does weird things with uh lovecraftian the lovecraftian mythos Mm -hmm. Uh, but it still has a little bit of tension because you know that things are gonna twist at the end um Mm -hmm. and and you're gonna have to be prepared to deal with sort of the combat uh element at the end of the game so um and of course you're fighting monsters throughout and there are these threats that are popping up on the board that you're dealing with um as you're trying to build your build your railroad out uh mm-hmm. that um i think it's just i don't know I, it, it strikes me a little more on the silly side of horror <laughs> but it's definitely um playing in that theme a little bit it, this is an interesting game. I haven't played this and I haven't played Study in Emerald either. Okay. Both are games that I would like to try. Mm-hmm. And I like train games more than horror games, so this yeah. might be very yeah. very interesting. This would be a, this would be a good crossover for you. Yeah. And Martin Wallace is usually good. Yeah. His designs are usually good. Not yeah. all of them, but usually. Yeah. He's he's got more hits than misses by a, by a long shot. Yeah. That I agree with. All right. My number nine is horror this year because this is pandemic. Uh-huh. There you go. <laughs> you, you can you can choose which whichever version you want to. Maybe the legacies are the best intention and especially in the storyline. Uh-huh. And there are some horror elements in the first season. Right. Season one, but I don't want to spoil that. But yeah, I've outplayed pandemic i don't like it that much but it has tension yes and just recently we played this hot zone uh is it us north north america or something uh-huh. and that was really tense because you have have only a small amount of cards small amount of places and you have to manage to um heal everything before <laughs> the cards end and it was much more difficult than normal pandemic that was really tense 
yeah. but whichever version you like or don't like, but whichever you want to play this pandemic is my number nine and okay. this is horror theme because of this year <laughs> yeah hey that's yeah that that's a good choice there is of course the uh a, a pandemic cthulhu uh out there which is maybe the easiest yeah. of the pandemic games i've played um, i'm yeah. with you pandemic is not one of my favorite games i i've always feel a little beat up by it um yeah. but i did enjoy the legacy and i played through Same. half of maybe half of the first season so i know a little bit of what you're hinting at Okay, um, I'm sorry if I spoiled something, but yeah, no, but I don't, I don't think towards the end there is something. Yeah, uh, Rob and Christina have played through, I think, all three seasons at this point. So I, yeah. I, the legacy was a much, uh, a much more satisfying. Yeah, especially because of the story. Yeah, it works better with the story than just put it out and play. I've played it enough. I don't need to play it ever again. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I guess now we're going to go to number eight. Uh, my number eight, sticking kind of with a similar idea, I guess, uh, is Fate of the Elder Gods. So this is um, uh, much more of a kind of a Euro-y worker placement. Um, uh, uh, greater than games, Richard Launius is involved. So you know, you've got that Arkham Horror um, kind of pedigree. Uh, I, I like it. Uh, it. It's in this case, you, you fade the elder gods. You are the bad guys, so you are playing the cultists, uh, and you're actually competing with other cultists to summon uh, some kind of uh, of a you know whoever your elder god of choices. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's a little higher on the list because I think it's a better game. I think it's regardless of the theme, it's it's in my mind a really solid just a solidly designed game it's just a, a lot of fun it's pretty easy to learn and it has some innovative elements in it and it's got this it, it's a, a bit of a race game since mm-hmm. you're strut you're working to get to you know your your old one first and uh you know, obviously that's going to create some tension as your your uh working through racing against your uh, opponents to try to get to your guy uh, before anyone mm-hmm. else gets to theirs. So, and I just like the game. I, I, you know, I like the mythos stuff part of it, obviously, but I think it's, it's a really clever uh, and solid implementation of a, of a good Euro within a Lovecraft horror theme. Mm-hmm. I haven't played this either. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when I was making this list, I noticed that I haven't played that many games. Like, I had to include Pandemic. I don't even like the game that much. There are a few <laughs> games here also that I don't really like that much. Yeah. But all the rest should be at least playable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not even interested in this Fate of the Elder Gods. I don't think that I might might not like it. I heard you talk about it in the podcast, I think earlier but it didn't yeah i mean interest me much australia was much more interesting than this one i it, and i think that i think that's fair um i think the fear of the elder gods um w- while i think the mechanics are solid you still sort of have to buy into the theme and you've got to be interested yeah. in that part of it or else the mechanics aren't going to really make much sense and they're not going to be very satisfying so this mm-hmm. one is much more heavily horror thematic 
Um, and particularly mm-hmm. mythos thematic. If you're not a Lovecraft person, you're going to get less out of it. Australia, mm-hmm. you can get away with not being as familiar with the mythos, and it's 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 probably going to resonate more with you. Yeah. My number eight is um, Dead of Winter, mm-hmm. and I'm not a fan of this game. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't like the forced traitor mechanism in the game i mean yeah. not traitor mechanism but i don't like it that it's you're forced to screw up the others yeah to win the game i i don't like it they should have found out some other way to do it or you you should just take it out it's there just to make tension and people think that there is a traitor even if there is not a traitor right i understand why they did it but i i didn't like it I've yeah. only played this two times, but I don't know if I need to play it again. But it is tense, yes. especially if you have this kind of a task that you should screw up the others and you don't want to be thrown outside. And right. it, it's a bit, yeah, there's tension and there's zombies, so probably it's horror. Yeah. Well, I will say I um, uh, this one was one I, I considered. Um, I'm a fan as a matter of fact, I have the, all the expansions, including the the War and Colonies expansion, so that you can have, mm-hmm. you know, not only fight zombies, but fight each other. I have not played it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a matter of fact, to be honest, I've, I owned it for a year or so and only recently punched it. So it, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's been that long since I've touched it. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah. I, I get what you're, I absolutely understand what you're saying. And it, it, it can be kind of frustrating. I find it thematically satisfying but uh again you kind of have to buy into that world and and want uh want to play a game like that there's lots of other co-ops so that don't do what that's doing that are yeah. that are probably better for a lot of folks yeah but i like the crossroad system yes. a lot um, i'm really waiting for this pandemic to be over i want to play this forgotten Borders. Is oh it? yeah, yeah. But I I haven't bought it yet because why would I buy it to the yes. <laughs> sale? The t- timing of that game was really 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 bad. Yeah, yeah. It came at the very wrong moment, a six-player game. <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah. I like the crossroad system. Yeah, we we've played a little bit of um, Gen Seven with the in the crossroad system, uh, which is very good. We, uh, we'll. Mm-hmm. we'll this is, I guess, a, a little exclusive because we'll talk about this on the show probably. In, it'll be a couple more episodes be, before we get to it, but we're going to um, mm-hmm. spend a bunch of time talking about the way the story uh, uh, falls out in that game. Yeah. Um, but it's it's um, it's a, a better co-op in that regard. It's got a stronger narrative. No traitor. Um, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but Dead of Winter is a solid choice for the theme. So. Yeah. I think Gen Seven has a bit too depressive theme for me for some reason. Oh, I really? heard heard it heard about it in some podcast, but I don't remember what. And I felt like maybe it was set up and sit down like a long time ago. Okay. When I was still listening to them, and I felt that I won't like it. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely it's a very particular kind of story. We I've been pleased with how it has played out, but we haven't got all the way through. So mm-hmm. it could end up being very disappointing, but but thus yeah. far it's been it's been a good time. Yeah, and we'll hear later more about that. 
Um, well, I guess moving on, my uh, number seven is, as I hinted, uh, Arkham Horror. And, mm-hmm. uh, the, Which version? Uh, the, the second edition. I have not mm-hmm. played the newest edition, although I understand uh, it streamlines a lot. Folks really enjoy it. I've got a soft spot in my heart for the second edition. It's, mm-hmm. It is probably one of the first uh, designer board games I ever played just mm-hmm. because of the theme. And so um, uh, I saw it. I was like, I think this, this should be interesting. And opened the rule book and was a little overwhelmed. Um, I own everything. Every that, last... that rule book is horrible. Yeah. Well, it is really bad, especially and, as a reference. It is really bad. And when you add in uh, all of the expansions and yeah. then you, you've got multiple things going on, um, it can be a, a bit of a mess. And, uh, but it's, it's kind of like what you said earlier. It's, it's definitely within the theme. You're struggling the whole game. You're constantly, mm-hmm. you know, up against odds that are greater than you. Monsters are spawning out of portals. With some of the expansions, portals are moving around the board. You're trying to get to the resource you need and help out your opponent or help out your partner. And then, you know, if you're lucky, you'll stop the great old one. Otherwise, you're in the battle for your life. That's just all about dice rolling. And mm-hmm. you've probably if, if you're like me, you've been playing the game for six hours at this point, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. it's all going to come down to the roll of the dice. So I yeah. don't play it often, but uh, I do enjoy it. This is one of the first games that I played with my wife, and it, we really like it. And this is my favorite Arkham Horror. Also, mm-hmm. I have heard from the, I mean, about the new edition that it is like on rails. That you don't have this decision space as you do oh, in this okay. one. Here you can really choose where you go and then all the time curse the dice because they are right. <laughs> always against you. And when you are blessed, <laughs> you become cursed the next turn and everything is everything is so difficult. I really like it that it's a long game. Yes. You have to make it an event and it can be up to the last die roll against right. the old one if you win it or not. And that is really great. Yeah. This is my favorite Lovecraft game. Yeah, I think I've even seen it. Well, it's not my favorite, so we'll get to we'll get to my favorite later. But it's definitely up there. All right, my number seven is probably a game that not many people have heard about. It it has seventy ratings in Board Game Geek, and this is Escape the Nightmare. This is a small card game. It says playtime 1 to 15 minutes. Yes, that's accurate. You can lose on the very beginning. Uh It's a cooperative uh, game where you trade cards with others and you try to uh, um, gain a set. It's been a few years since I played it, but this is all the cards have some kind of a thing that you have to do if something happens. It might tell you to sing all the time or you can Uh speak only using certain words and there are nightmares in the cards and you're seeing dreams about them and you cannot share any information of your hand and then it's it's like this is it what is it mountains of madness or something yes. like that yeah where you get this madness that you have some restrictions this is only that in a card play yeah and they might have some kind of um like for example you have to have one hand in front of your mouth when you talk and 
you have to accept the next trade that is offered to you. This is crazy. You would like it, by the way, in your game group. You would love this with Christina and Rob and Patrick. You would roll on the floor laughing. Well, I, this I, is exactly to you. I will tell you, we have played this. I think ah. we, we played it pretty early when it came out. I think, I think yeah. we may have even got a prototype or early release. Yeah, um, this was really a cheap Kickstarter. It was like 10 euros or something yeah. like that. Um, Did you like it? This? Well, I'll say, so uh, my experience of it is we, I played with my kids. So I don't, Rob mm-hmm. and I, Rob and Christine and I didn't play, or you know, we didn't play for the show. So I played with the, mm-hmm. with the family. The family experience was not great. We did not mm-hmm. enjoy it. Uh, uh, or the kids in particular did not enjoy it. Now, yeah. The kids don't like the kind of high pressure, um, that kind of high pressure experience that you see in that game, you know, where you've got to remember, you know, what is, what is the thing you're supposed to be doing? And, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of chaos happening at the table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the whole game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not one of my favorite. It's, it can work sometimes. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's a very narrow range of a game that I that uh, that I'll have that I'll enjoy that experience. Yeah. So I didn't like Mountains of Madness in the end. Um, I tried mm-hmm. it a couple times, but I just I gave it a fair shot. Uh, but I did not like it. And Escape the Nightmare, I wasn't really a fan of. Now, if I had played, yeah. uh, you know, with the other folks on the show we might have had a better experience. Mm-hmm. But um, I was also very focused on family games, I think at the time, maybe more so now than, or more so then than I am now, and just things that mm-hmm. with the kids, and they were younger. So it was a particular moment in time when we played that yeah. one. Um, but, but, but I agree, this is really group dependent and situation yes. dependent. You might not like this. I mean, I've rated it only five in Board Game Geek because uh-huh. of that. I will only play it in a certain situation with a certain group. Right. But with with a certain group, and let's say that you are just sitting and have nothing to do, and you open this deck, it's craziness. And when you don't take it seriously, it's fun. Yeah. But it can also very easily flop. Yeah, absolutely. But this is tense when you play it, at yeah. least in my opinion. Yeah, anytime you've got everyone at the table kind of shouting and trying to pass cards around and then and then limited <laughs> in some way singing a song being blind whatever is going on yeah it's yeah. it's definitely very tense um, okay well so my uh moving on to number six this uh, i picked winter tales um mm-hmm. this is uh are, are you are you familiar if you heard of winter tales I've heard the name, but okay. I don't know what it is. And I think this one went under the the radar. So Winter Tales, it's a horror themed in that it's it's a storytelling game that's set in a very dark uh, fairy tale world. That's got uh, characters from Alice in Wonderland and Snow White and Wizard of Oz, um, but very. Uh, sort of dark gothic versions of them uh Mm -hmm. and in the end it's a it's a storytelling game so you're going to have two teams uh one is the bad guys 
So the big bad wolf, uh, Geppetto, the, the toy maker, the uh, queen of hearts, those kinds of figures. And the other are the good guys who are the rebellion. And uh, you're moving around to various locations on a board. And uh, you're, you're doing all of your actions through a storytelling mechanism that's inspired by this deck of cards that the designer's kids drew. So just mm -hmm. very abstract pictures, sketches, lines, you know, completely. I mean, think think something like Dixit, but not but caveman drawings. Um, <laughs> and uh, these cards are your resources that allow you to do things. So you've got to manage them very well. But moving from a location to a location, you need to play a card. Uh, and then you describe how whatever whatever you interpret that picture on the card to be it builds a narrative for how you're moving to a location. When you get into a battle with another character, those cards come into play and you sort of describe how the battle's going round by round and you're spending these cards out to do it. Um, uh, and then as the game goes on, there's these quests that pop up and what you're trying to do is, is complete your own quests and stop the other side from getting theirs and uh, at a certain point whoever's essentially completed more quests will will win uh and they will rule over the the fairy tale world um the the gothic sort of implementation of fairy tale characters and these children's book characters i think are just are just great um the art mm -hmm. is amazing um uh but it's it, it is a storytelling game, so it's a narrative, a narrative game. It's not, it's, you, you can't just play a card and do a thing. You have to play a card and then weave a story collectively with the group. And as a result, the story gets kind of, it's very dark, uh, can be, you know, more or less horrific, um, depending on uh, who's telling and and sort of how the cards inspire you to go. But, but the tension comes about. Because you are you are weaving a group narrative, and and as people complete their quests, it shifts, sort of, which side is winning, you know, and and the the uh, bad guys are trying to get to their thing first because now it's going to make it harder for the good guys to do their next thing, and, and vice mm -hmm. versa, um, and then there again there's a little bit of a race to get more stories told essentially than your opponents um it plays pretty well in a group um but you do have to have some folks who are comfortable with essentially improv storytelling mm -hmm. um but it's definitely a dark world and i think that's what appeals to me about it um is the idea of like uh you know alice in wonderland is the leader of an underground rebellion against these <laughs> horrific uh, 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 bad guys um, in this quasi sort of steampunky kind of world. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I had seen it at Gen Con many years ago, uh, fell in love with it, and then I don't think I ever really saw anybody talk about it ever, <laughs> ever since then. Uh, there's been no support or new characters or expansions. I don't even know if it's a game you can find easily anymore. But, you know, it comes out generally a couple times a year at my house. Um, just for some for some storytelling fun. Now, I, I'm looking at it on Board Game Geek, and 
this really seems to be under the radar. And mm-hmm. in the geek market, you can buy a new copy of the game for ten dollars oh. <laughs> if you're in the U.S. In Europe, a bit more expensive. But this is a fantasy flight game. Yeah. Did they screw up with the marketing or what happened? Yeah, you know, it's I, 2012. I I don't know. I don't know if something was competing. I re, yeah. I remember. I I saw it in the fantasy fight flight kind of massive area at Gen Con. I sat down. I played it with a big group of people. They had a big presence. I had a great time. I think maybe, you know, it is a storytelling game, and that's only going to mm-hmm. have a fairly narrow appeal, uh, particularly for a fantasy flight who does yeah. big, big games, right? And this is never going to be a big game. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe in the end that just wasn't enough, uh, enough for them. But, like, if you can get a copy for 10 bucks, then, I mean... Go do that. If if you're a storytelling person, you should go do that. No, it looks really cheap, at yeah. least in geek market. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't seen this. I had heard the name, mm-hmm. but I didn't connect it to any visual image. So yeah. But it looks really cool. Yeah. Different. It yeah. It's definitely it's 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 unique and again, gorgeous art, an interesting implementation, um, and and. Uh, certainly, uh, again, a sort of a horrific game. All right. My number six is a game that I've played in yukata.de. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really give the theme true, but it gave the tension true. And uh-huh. this is Fearsome Floors by Freedom and Freezer. And uh-huh. if I could find this for a cheap price used, I would get it. Because it was... Quite interesting that there's this Frankenstein's monster or some kind of monster that tries to catch you on the floor and you move your, you have a group of uh, these discs and they are people, you try to move them through uh, from this kind of a floor, it's kind of like a building or a maze or something Mm -hmm. and you can move some objects and you try to get from one end to the other end and then the monster tries to catch you and you can uh, hide behind other players and you can push them to places and you can feed the other people's characters to the monster and I, I didn't know that would I like this I just wanted to try it Yeah. because I've seen it and never seen a physical copy of it and I was surprised how much I liked it Okay. Uh, and there was tension because <laughs> the monster moved quite quickly uh-huh. <laughs> online so if you saw the moment when the monster moved, you, you were like really scared that is it coming to me or not? Because it's a semi-random thing that how it moves. And it just went very quickly. <laughs> I remember that I was almost scared <laughs> when it happened. Yeah. And it was online, so that that was interesting. And I want this game, if I can get it for a proper price used. I'm familiar with um, a lot of his games. I don't know that I've encountered this one, though. But if it's on Yukata, that's probably worth playing around with. Yeah, it, it worked very well also. Oh, that's good. It's from 2003, I think. Yeah, should be. And it was surprisingly good. Oh, excellent. Well, that's a good recommendation. I've, ri- I've written that down as one to explore. 
Yeah, I, I think Eric Samarov is praising it in his top ten lists that they sometimes make in the Dice Tower yeah. podcast. Sometimes, every other week. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, every week actually nowadays <laughs> when they make. But he's had it on many lists and that's when I got intrigued by the game and now I tried it and I think it's really, really nice. Yeah. And it plays very quick. Okay. Well, also. see, I've learned something. I'll have to go check that one out. <laughs> Um, All right. Well, so on to number five. Uh, my number five is uh, Last Night on Earth, the zombie game from Flying Frog Games. This there are a ton of zombie games out there. You know, we're talking about mm-hmm. Dead of Winter. Uh, in my mind, Last Night on Earth is the best zombie game in the market. It is the most cinematic, like the 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 experience of watching a dumb zombie movie this this is that is that Mm -hmm. that experience it's not you know it's it's not a super complicated game uh it's very lucky game but you're definitely going to have these experiences of you know being swarmed by zombies trying to run building to building to be able to get some ammo for your gun and then get to the get some gas to get it to the truck and get out of here. Um, I've got everything that's ever been made for it. And I still remember experiences of, you know, having my, my nurse character uh, uh, be surrounded by zombies. And she just ran into an area, drew every zombie to her, went down fighting with a chainsaw while the rest of the team managed to escape. And she was mm-hmm. she was overcome in the end, but sacrificed herself for the rest of her group. So these little narrative moments arise and stick out of it. It's it's silly, um, but it's just so good, and it's just so fun and accessible. And there's uh, tons of expansions and tons of different ways to play the game. Mm-hmm. Every every game you're gonna have some kind of objective. We often just draw them randomly. Some of them are very simple. You know, kill twenty zombies. Some of them are very very complicated. You have to go through these five or six steps before you you win the game as as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's easily the best zombie game out there. And of course, you know, the the board's just filling up, and it's one person's playing the zombies, the other person is playing. Um, the heroes. It plays mm-hmm. very well at two players. It plays very well at four to six. Yeah, every player counts fine. I like it better at fewer players where more people get to do things and you mm-hmm. play multiple heroes. Um, but the board's going to just fill up with zombies. You're going to be rolling dice to try to get to that objective and it's going to come down to do I roll a six, do I roll a one? Uh, and mm-hmm. and that tension builds up, and mostly I lose. I, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm I very rarely make it out as the heroes. Uh, a friend of mine is always the zombies, and I'm always the heroes. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, I'm not very good at it, but I have so much fun every time I play it. So that's my number yeah, and five. That's important. Yeah, it's important to have fun. I haven't played this, but I think this might be a zombie game that I like the yeah. most because Shaun of the Dead and such are quite stupid but funny movies. yeah this this invokes that a hundred percent yeah that's what i've understood 
My number five is a really, really long game. <laughs> and this is the second edition of Fury of Dracula. Oh. And I've played this as a Dracula. I've played this only once, but it was really tense. And I'm not sure if I want to play this again. <laughs> and this is sec- second edition. It is really long. Yes. Because if you're hiding well, it takes a lot of time. If yeah. you can't decide where to go because you're panicking behind your screen that doesn't exist in the game then it takes long uh-huh. <laughs> this, this can freeze you really badly and i think this is a great game but it's too long i should try the newer edition to see that if it's still as long but i think they made it maybe too too streamlined because this was a good game just too long but this is definitely tense yeah when the hunters are closing you are thinking don't block that road and don't go there on the way and it's it's really interesting but works well well in the newer edition i'm sure i i have not played this but my only experience of fury dracula was at one of our um you know robcon cabin game weekends a number of years ago we were at Mm -hmm. one table playing i think it was dominant species and another mm-hmm. table was playing Fury of Dracula. And we played and completed Dominant Species and played another game. And that first group was still playing Fury of Dracula. Oh dear. And That and, was a long one. Yeah, and it was... I, you could tell by the end, uh, everyone was just kind of tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, they were just a, a little worn down. Uh, and I, I don't know, like what was happening i don't know if someone was playing good or playing poorly you know or or what exactly was causing the game to drag out um but it did it was long i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna give that one a pass yeah we played it with five players also i think this would work the best with three yeah all both hunters would have two characters because five people i mean four people making decisions it just takes too long yeah it's not worth it I think they played But the new five. edition is faster, I heard. Yeah. And I've seen it played in two hours almost. Okay. Well, that's that's good. Because I, I know people love this, and people were super yeah. excited the new edition. Uh, I was just a little wary after that experience. So I've, I've yeah. not dip, dipped my toes into to Transylvania yet. Yeah. They changed the cheats into cards, and it's easier with the cards. You can just play the cards. Got you it. don't have to hide the cheats because it didn't come with the player screen. And that's a bit problematic. Yeah. Because you have to hold the small cheats in your hand and then choose from them. And it was a bit fiddly. Yeah, also. I can imagine. Well, um, so my number four uh, is Mansions of Madness. And mm-hmm. this, I will say specifically, this is the, uh, the second edition, not the newer app-driven edition. Which I do like that game. But Isn't that the first edition? The one where you set up everything yourself? Oh, is that the first, the first edition? edition? Okay. Yeah. I was. I'm, I think I may be confusing it with Arkham Horror that had a previous yeah. edition before. So at any yeah, rate, yeah. in that case, the first edition, not the one immediately before the app one. I like mm-hmm. the app game. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a richer storytelling experience, and obviously you don't need to have the the nemesis player, but I like being the nemesis, and I mm-hmm. like... Uh, knowing what's happened and watching the players 
trying to suss out the puzzle and I, I don't mind the management of it. And I've, I've always had a great time uh, being on that side of the game and kind of being the puppet master bad guy. Um, mm-hmm. There's some, you know, certainly some pressure uh, to make sure you set everything up right and put mm-hmm. everything in the right place and, you know, don't break the game on accident. Which Have is you a, ever made a mistake? Uh, I don't, not on Mansions of Madness because I'm, mm-hmm. because I'm terrified of it. So <laughs> I double and triple check and I take it very seriously. Um, and I, cause I think I've pretty much always played the nemesis. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I cannot recall a time when I wasn't, um, mm-hmm. uh, so I just, I just love it. It's, um, I think it does a fine job with building a narrative experience. It certainly builds. I, th- I think for me, the tension part of it is as much being in the know and knowing what the heroes are trying to accomplish. And mm-hmm. for me, the tension is, are they getting close and then trying to misdirect them or stymie them? Uh, but also not give away through your actions that maybe they're onto something. You know, as, mm-hmm. as, as the story builds up to uh, to try to fend them off. I'm sure the players have a whole different uh, uh, extension experience in terms of not knowing what's going on and, and that mystery unfolding. Um, mm-hmm. But I like being on the other side. I, I just, I just mm-hmm. like the, oh God, are they going to figure it out? Oh God, don't go in that room. Please don't, you know, p- please roll the dice so the monster stops them. So they run out of time, kind of thing. Um, and uh, Mansion of Madness is just—it's absolutely one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. I think also I liked the first edition more. Mm-hmm. I've only played it once, and I was the player, and it was—it was quite, quite fun. I I liked it a lot. Yeah. And I'm not getting the similar feeling from the app-driven version, for some reason. I don't know why. I liked it more. Like there was someone you play against. Yeah, I, I, that's that's what I liked about it. I the app-driven version is great I, in terms of um, the richness of the story and the decision making. It does a lot more um, because it it, you know, it can branch in different ways and it can randomize mm. things about the setup that you just can't do with yeah. a completely analog game. And so I, I I like it from that regard, but. I think I like in the end the the analog pure analog experience of the first edition of, of the yeah. game. Yeah, it's the same for me. I somehow liked it more hanging around outside in that one. Yeah. Alright. Now I remember that I forgot one game, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say at the end what it is, but I forgot one that I could have added here. And my number four is Time stories. Oh, okay. The first, first one or the expedition endurance. If you want Lovecraft, you go for, for the expedition endurance because that is like directly from this mythos. Tales okay. That you get some kind of sanity checks there and such. And the first one is quite creepy also because you are in an asylum and try to escape. But I don't want to spoil anything in case someone hasn't yet played this. I don't really like the game anymore. I don't own this anymore. But 
I was so excited after three chapters, I think, because there were some parts of a main storyline, and then they didn't continue it. So oh. I quit quit playing after this expedition endurance. I just felt that I don't know. I just don't want to play it. And also, the people we played with they moved away from this city, so we didn't have play playing oh, no. partners. We were playing with another couple four-player games they were really fun and then we lost half of the group so we didn't play two-player <laughs> that oh. would have been a bit silly uh this is you know rob and christina have done quite a few of the time stories modules and i've thought about borrowing it from them to play with tara because mm-hmm. um, i think she would enjoy um the, the mystery solving and, and now my mm-hmm. my daughter too uh recently gotten into kind of escape escape room and uh, those kinds of games so mm-hmm. uh yeah i've played it a little bit um but i had, i never got into it as much as as um the other folks on the show have i i think i've played four plus the main game uh-huh. and they all have been a bit different in some way but yeah one of them expanded the main storyline behind everything a lot and then they forgot it and i don't i don't really know but i mm-hmm. i i sold the copy and i don't have it anymore so okay no regrets yeah yeah well those kinds of games yeah they have their time and then they move on yeah they make someone else happy yeah that's true <laughs> so um so we get that in the, my, my top th- or the top three here um, i'm looking at realizing that each is each of the that my top the top three games all do something very different than the mm-hmm. previous ones on the list. So I think that's probably why they rose uh, to the top for me. So my number three uh, is Dark Moon, the mm-hmm. social deduction game. Uh, uh, it uh, it's, it's by far my favorite social deduction game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, obviously, you've got this creepy theme of the, the spaceship failing and the hidden the hidden aliens trying to destroy things you know it's it's got the same thing that every other hidden trader kind of a game has um but the theme is is just much more uh uh creepy alien and i think it pulls off the it pulls off the social deduction aspect better than other games i have played uh, because the the way that it handles decision making and, and contribution to um, solving problems is through this hidden dice rolling mechanism where you you roll dice behind your player's shield. You have to hope that no one at your table is a cheater because um, uh-huh. that's the, that's <laughs> the main flaw here. Um, but you roll these dice behind your shield and then you have to use those results to contribute to various things that are happening failures um the 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 final you know uh, getting on the uh, escape ship and getting getting out um uh but because it's this dice roll it takes a little bit of the pressure off of having to be a really good liar like a lot of social deduction games um do so you 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 know, you're stuck with the dice that you roll. And it does sometimes means that as a mm-hmm. bad guy, you're going to have to contribute positively. It's not a choice you make. 
it's not you trying to be sneaky. It's just that the dice all rolled well. And so the only thing mm-hmm. you can do is contribute positively. And on the same token, you know, you could be a good guy and all your dice are bad. And now you've got to, you've got to cause something to fail. And you legitimately horrify that you have to do it. And so <laughs> when you're, when you're defending your actions, you don't have to be a good liar because you really didn't want to do this thing. You're not, you know, <laughs> picking the bad card out of your hand and like, oh, guys, it's the only thing I had. You know, it really is the only thing you had. So um, I played this at all kinds of player counts. I played this with Tara and the kids. Uh, I've learned things about members of my family that were disappointing when I discovered how good of liars they were and how willing they are to, <laughs> to murder you right out the gate. Um, one of my favorite parts of the game, and this is my, this is my opinion of it. I don't, other people certainly may disagree with me, but at higher player counts, you're going to have uh, up to three aliens or three hidden traitors in the game. Uh, and one of the actions that the aliens can do is just reveal themselves as an alien. Mm-hmm. And in a higher a high player count, I've always thought it makes sense for one of the three aliens just right out of the gate. The very first action they take is reveal themselves. Because as the aliens, you get a whole different set of actions that you can do for the rest of the game. You switch out your player board. You're now an alien player board. Uh, you're hiding in the ductwork of the space station so no one can lock you in jail. You just get to cause chaos. Um, it doesn't make sense to do that, that if you're like the only alien or just one of the two. But if you've if you've got three, someone can just go crazy, and it helps mm-hmm. create cover for the other players, which again takes a little bit of the pressure off of having to be this pure. You know, does your personality lend itself to being good at social deduction? So that's my number three, and the only social deduction game on the list. I haven't played this, but I want to try it. It sounds really interesting because you can't really be good if you can't be good. If yeah, you have bad luck. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Yeah, I I just there there are other games that have done that a little bit, but I just feel that Dark Moon does it the best of of anything that I've played at least. Okay, Stephen Bonacor praised it also when he was guest on this show. Oh, okay. I promised that I will try to try it, but let's see. I don't know anyone who has it. That's the problem. And yeah. It's not really that available in here currently. I think I haven't checked, but I wouldn't buy it new. I would buy it used. Yeah. Well, you, you maybe I, someday. I don't. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, well, I, it's it's maybe out there somewhere or, you know, I'll bring it to UK Game Expo next year. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't really like social deduction games. So mm-hmm. that's why I wouldn't really buy it that eagerly. Because mm-hmm. probably it will go forward <laughs> after yeah. playing a bit. I also want to try the thing that might, I might not like that either, but it sounds like something that I want to try once. And now I adjusted my list while you were talking. I switched a bit places because I noticed that the game on my originally on the first position I don't own anymore. <laughs> so yeah, I actually knew, but I didn't see. I didn't pay attention when I was making the list. So my number three is a game that has basically tiles and it has UV spotting on the tiles and you can play it in the dark and this is Subterra. Oh yes. And 
I backed it in the original Kickstarter. It arrived. We played it two times in succession. I thought that this is too stressful. I'm selling it. Yeah. <laughs> it it was so stressful and so annoying and uh-huh. so difficult at least how we played and people were stupid they didn't know how to play <laughs> <laughs> no no not really but it was it was really really difficult i i noticed that this is not a game for me yeah but it was really really tense yeah and the production quality is so good and i i really liked how the tiles were and everything uh-huh. and it was sold out everywhere because it was quite soon after the Kickstarter so I got more than I paid for it so of course I sold it oh <laughs> and nice good deal yeah and someone has fun with it I'm sure more yeah. than I would have had this is I think Christina backed this on Kickstarter uh, and we we played it we reviewed it on the show yeah. not too long after the Kickstarter released I believe um, I think we had a similar experience it ended up not being a game for us uh, and so it's it's went on to find a new home, but we we constantly are amazed uh, at, at what kind of following the game has. People absolutely, yeah. absolutely adore this game, and I mean, and good for them because it definitely is is um, it's doing something that they love. But there is a huge yeah. fan base around this game. Yeah, and very very like fanatic fans, not yes. fanatic, but they they really love the game. Yeah. The the, and, the the passion when we when we revisited it on our reroll, I think that was the main thing that we talked about was you know we we had a little bit of trouble bringing it, um, getting it back to the table after our original plays. So when we were mm-hmm. very surprised when we when we were doing research, like oh my god, there's forums and discussion groups and fan groups and people just are all over themselves for this yeah. game. So you know, we, we we missed out on something apparently. I don't know either. It wasn't the game for me. Yeah. Um, okay. But well, at least I, I've rated it seven. You've rated it three, and both game geek. So yeah, you're in my geek body list. So I checked. Oh, <laughs> you've rated it. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we we didn't we weren't really a fan. I can see what people yeah. what people liked about it, and I can particularly see if you know maybe you have a relatively small library or, or your your experience with gaming is relatively mm-hmm. minor. This game does a lot of so terrible it does things that I've I think other games do better, but this yeah. packages so many neat things in one box where I see yeah. I could see how someone would be perfectly happy and and uh, would get a lot out of just having this game yeah. without having a huge library of stuff. Yeah, and it looks really good and plays really smooth and everything, yeah. but it was just too punishing and too difficult and something wasn't matching yeah. my list, at least. Well, my my number two is actually in a little bit of that same space because um, my number two is uh, Nyctophobia. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is the, the game you play, or well, most, most people play with a blindfold, um, my mm-hmm. touch. And uh, specifically, the one that I have and have played is the uh, Nyctophobia Vampire Encounter. There's two different mm-hmm. versions uh, out there where the villain plays a little bit differently. Um, this is a, a, a title that, much like Mansions of Madness, I've always been the nemesis character. So mm-hmm. I, I've always run the game, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and 
uh, play with my kids. I we were we it was a featured review on the show I think two years ago, um, and if folks have listened to Blue Pig Pink Pig, they'll know I loved it. Rob absolutely hated it. It wants to have nothing to do with this game for some of the reasons that I think that you described with Subterra. You know, he was blindfolded. The tension level is just so incredibly high because the way that it the way that it works is you've got you've got basically a forest maze on the board, and everything's very mm-hmm. tactile. So you know where you are by uh, the the person running it. The nemesis will put your finger on your character, and mm-hmm. You're then you can then move your finger around um, orthogonally the space that you're in, and make some decisions about moving. But but one of the rules is if you touch the vampire, uh, you take damage, and it doesn't take very much before you're dead. And if someone's dead, you know the game's over. So the very active, you're blindfolded, your fingers on this thing. You're trying to remember how did I get here? You're you're doing a a map of this maze of a forest that you're you're working through uh and your objective is generally you're trying to i think you're trying to find a friend um find them elsewhere in the forest and then get back to the car so you're going out to a space somewhere through this these these this maze of these trees uh and you do that only by touching Uh, and if you Mm -hmm. touch the wrong thing you may you may die (laughs) and then of course you're blindfolded Mm. so you're trying to remember the board uh, no. Uh, and further, um, this is what I like playing as the bad guy. The vampire, for example, can make the tree shift around. So you might, you know, what you remembered is the board. You move your finger, expecting to see, feel nothing there, and then suddenly there's trees there, and and you're like, oh my god, what's going on? Did I forget something? <laughs> Did something move? So this is. Definitely, the tension is incredibly high in this game. Everyone is terrified. Mm-hmm. You're terrified to move. I, 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 the reason it's probably not number one in terms of this theme is that um, the the memory aspect of having to remember where you are or where you're trying to go. Um, like mm-hmm. I, I had one game where a person just they didn't have that sort of spatial. Uh, that spatial ability mm-hmm. so they literally spent the whole game walking in circles around the car Ouch. Be- because every turn they'd kind of forget where they were the previous turn so they'd make that a mother been a great experience yeah so i th- i was kind of amused watching it because they thought they were exploring all over the place like no you never you never left the car you literally walked in circles for <laughs> the hour and a half that we played this game um and like is the vampire one of the things you get to do is the cards will tell you to to whisper uh to someone the vampire is near and i, and I think rob almost punched me because <laughs> i remember yeah i remember hearing it <laughs> i came up behind him he's got a blindfold on he didn't know i was there and i whispered in his ear the vampire is near and he freaked out he's like don't like i don't like this i do not like this game um uh, so at any rate, but I think it's a, it's a remarkable experience. And of course it has a remarkable story in that the designer designed the game because her uncle is blind and she wanted to play mm. games with her uncle. And so designed it a fully tactile uh, game, which I, I think is just 
uh, a pretty remarkable story. And yeah, um, I don't know that I'll ever play the game again. I don't know that I'll be able to ever trick someone into playing it with me, but it's still on my shelf. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even seen a physical copy of this. Oh yeah, I've seen pictures and I've seen it on the web pages for sale, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's good. I would, I wouldn't try it with random people. Oh That's no, no, what I'm sure of. Yeah, this and is, and I might want to be the villain instead of the blindfolded yeah. person. I don't really like that kind of stuff being blindfolded. Yeah, I've never sat in that chair. I will say that. So. Um, my experience of the game is purely from the being the villain and watching the tension and horror mount on the, the faces of my players. Now, th- this game needs lots of trust within the group. Yes. And also, it has to be a safe place for everyone where you are playing. Yeah. I mean, it does require touch. So that I, you know, I would yeah. I would not go to a convention, I think, and just play this with <laughs> random people. Yeah. yeah, especially nowadays. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's a, a good move. But um, <laughs> yeah, and and even so, not people don't. Some people just don't like being touched. So you know, that's, yeah, this is that's not going to be a good experience for them, and I would not recommend it for them. You have to really really commit to being touched allowing people to maneuver your hand to places mm. and, and and everyone has to be incredibly comfortable with that and that's that's again probably why it's not in the top spot is it is it's uh there are some some downsides as in terms of access to a broad audience all right my number two is very tense game that is really difficult also most of the time and this is ghost stories hmm and this has horror theme at least it has ghosts yeah <laughs> and it's this is on the second spot i mean this is this high because you think you might think at some point that you are doing well but then you get <laughs> more of these ghosts and they um kind of they create some kind of combo with each other that make you in a really bad position yeah. during one round of the game. <laughs> that, I mean, you always have to be careful what is happening and what will happen. And you have to be able to react very quickly to things. And this is really interesting. I mean, you can't relax for even one turn in the game. Right. And this is really tense game, in my opinion. And fits the team yeah. also. This is when Patrick played this years ago and basically you know, said everything you did. He had a great time, but it was so hard and so tense and things could turn so well. He, he talked me out of any interest in it because of, <laughs> because of that, although he was very fond of it. He spoke very, very yeah. highly of the game. But um, yeah, that, is, that seems to be a very consistent reaction to it. I'm actually not sure if I still own this or not. I have listed it as owned on Board Game Geek, but I might have sold it to oh. a friend of mine. And this is probably his favorite game of all time. Oh, yeah. Second favorite or something. So it went to a good home if I did. Now yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I should keep record a bit better on Board Game Geek. Well, we'll but say yeah. that you did. That's a better story. Yeah. It ended up in the right home. You can play this as an app, and I will play it as an app in the future. So if you want to try it, you can try it as an app. Okay. 
it has less setup and less playing around with the cards also. Right. And much easier to play. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I guess we move on to our number ones then. So um, mm-hmm. my uh, my number one is uh, Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space by Osprey Game. And this is the game that I forgot from my list. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yes. This is... Um, <laughs> This is it's it's in the I think my top five of uh, of my top fifty board games of all time. So apart mm-hmm. from its theme, I think it's a great game. Um, it is the game that uh, converted me from my absolute loathing of hidden movement games. Um, I just one of the reasons that I would would not have played Fury of Dracula is I just never liked hidden movement games. I, they did not mm-hmm. appeal to me at all. And then I played this and uh, just uh, adored it, as, as Patrick would say. Um, <laughs> it is, I've played it with all kinds of people. I brought it to just random game days and played with big groups of strangers. The rules are so straightforward. Um, there's a lot of variety in the the spaceship, you know, the different kinds of spaces that you can play in. Um, it's very, but it's it's very quiet and it's very tense, and everyone's looking at each other and everyone's looking for clues. Uh, and every time someone flips that card over and they make that announcement of you know noise in sector whatever or mm-hmm. you know no no sound or. Everyone's jotting things down and, and their brains are working. Um, one of my favorite moments, and, and, and a game is gonna is always going to rise to the top if I can say that, if I can say my favorite moment. Like if there's something that mm-hmm. just happened that resonates with me forever. Um, and so this is years ago we were playing this, and over the course of the game, uh, pretty much everyone had been... Uh, turned into aliens so by the end of the mm-hmm. game we were down to one human who was making his way to the escape pod and everyone else was aliens and we basically mm-hmm. all knew where everyone was um, and there was like one path to get to the escape pod and and uh it was almost like watching blips on a radar of his little blip moving to the mm-hmm. pod and then the next blip a bunch of aliens are slightly closer and then he moves forward and then everyone's slightly closer and you just the tension in the room of him going oh my god please like don't draw a card that forces me to say where i am or i've got to keep them guessing just to see if i can get there and then we're all like we're all coming from different directions we're swarming we're getting close we just need him to you know draw one bad card until the moment <laughs> i i think we did stop him like one space away from getting into the escape pod and and winning the game but those last <laughs> turns were just amazing like everyone was so into it and like we mm-hmm. just absolutely uh uh in that in that moment our heart rates were up as we're waiting to see are we going to get him are we going to get him what's his next card draw uh, uh, you know breath's going and it's just mm-hmm. a fantastic experience just i cannot mm-hmm. say enough good things about this game yeah I don't like the game that much. I sold my copy, but it was so tense. It's a it's a fine game, but it wasn't for me. Yeah. 
but but it's really tense. Yeah. It's it's really deservedly on the list. It would have been on my list also if I had remembered. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been maybe maybe fifth or even fourth. This is really 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 tense. Uh, yeah, and this was what I think Patrick gave this one to me because I never would have sought it out, and he gave it to me and recommended that I give it a try, and we played you know, four people or something like that. And it's like this is fantastic. Um, Do you have the Osprey Games edition, the deluxe one with the yes uh, removable? Yeah, yeah. That, that's a really good production, also. Yeah, I think the first version was some kind of nonsense paper uh, okay. pencil thing. Yeah, that, I, I haven't played the earlier one either. Yeah, I've got the whiteboard and the the whole thing, and and we've never like yeah. there's there's unique player powers that you can play with but honestly mm-hmm. i just i enjoy just the purity of the straight up some yeah, aliens trying to do this people are trying to do this i don't want to worry about i don't need that often in the game yeah. i'll get to the point after the first play it's like okay let's bring in those other optional things but i've never felt the need for that with uh with escape from the aliens in outer space i think it's it's yeah. perfectly great on its own that might have been the mistake that I made. That we began began oh. playing with those yeah. powers. We didn't want to play without them, and that might have made it too convoluted and not as smooth as possible. Yeah, I feel like that's the risk, but I, like I haven't done it, no. so I, you know I may do it and decide I made a mistake all this time. But um, at any rate, uh, certainly it's not for everybody. But I've I've had a great time with it. Yeah. My number one has been validated by some choices on your list. Uh-huh. This is Battlestar Galactica. Ah. This is not necessarily horror, but it has aliens and it has walking toasters. And this is <laughs> really, really tense. I mean, I don't think I have played even one game of this where there hasn't been a lot of tension. In every time there is this crisis card and you open the skill cards one by one and then it either goes over or goes under and i've never played it without this um other treachery treachery cards that give you minus they come in some expansion in mm-hmm. pegasus and daybreak i've always played with the newer version of those so from daybreak and they make it really tight this <laughs> this this crisis tests and this is this is really really good yeah game I will never play it just the base game because that is that feels like not complete game because I played with the expansions and I have the full set on the shelf. I'm not yet selling it. Yeah, it's not high enough price, but they're going really expensive already. It's hundreds of euros yeah. at least in Finland. The you, full set, but this is fantastic. You take something from each expansion and then you're set. So, you know, Dark Moon began its life as a Battlestar Galactica light or something. Yes. And, and so it uh, is just that concept rethemed. And I have played Battlestar Galactica, and if I had thought about it in, ter- in this term, these terms, it, it probably would have made the list. Because I, mm-hmm. I, I absolutely agree. I had an amazing time. I love, you know, I'm a big fan of the Battlestar Galactica show anyways so yeah. i like the the ip but um i've played it a couple times i think i've only played the base game but mm-hmm. um 
it's it's just a fantastic experience. Uh, I love like the yeah. the threat of having to switch roles in the middle and finding out you're a Cylon the whole time, and now your yeah. loyalties have changed, and but you've got to pretend they have it, and and just those little twists make it from beginning um, just a great experience. Yeah. Base game is fine if you haven't played with the expansions at first. But I, the first game I played was with every expansion, and there oh. was something from everything. It was a like a test game for the owner of the game. Oh, okay. He wanted to try the newest expansion and the newest roles, and we played with the silent leaders, and there was lots of different things. And th- these are kind of like one series is one season so the first season of the tv series is the base game and the second season brings you the pegasus then there's the exodus that you're just drifting around and then the last one you uh, reach the earth and i really love the series they are really good i'm wanting to watch them again yeah (laughs) third time already (laughs) but it's it's one of the best series although there is some stupid stuff when they are on ground in that yeah. some kind of camp on the second season that was very very boring yes. and that's a very very boring part of the expansion also never play with that oh really so that's that's a <laughs> yeah yeah everything is included from the series well and I, I, with with the last expansion you get the new target you get target to earth because first you have to go to cobol with eight jumps if i remember and then you need 10 jumps to earth and it gives you the silent leaders and the silence are in a way working with you or against you. And it, it's really, when you have all the expansions, you have complete mechanisms for these treachery cards and the silent leaders. And that is really good. And the third expansion has this silent fleet. You have put another board where the silent ships are. And that whole fleet will catch you every time you jump. And you okay. have to get rid of them. You don't lose them by jumping. You have to fight them. And that is that is really kind of a convoluted, but very, very good full experience. I really love it like that. But I haven't played this for years, so yeah. it's a bit pity. Yeah, it's. I think uh, it's similar for me. I, I, it's been a couple of years. It was like a, a grail game for me to get to the table, and I finally got a chance to play it, and I've never got a chance to play it since then but mm-hmm. um yeah just it just a lot of fun a a, a, a a great a blast to play with folks yeah takes a bit long but i don't care it's like arkham horror you have to make it an event yeah yeah i don't think i notice i'm just enjoying you know sussing out cylons or trying to hide my my cylonness yeah and you always have some story to tell from every game. Right. If, if nothing else, then you see Baltar on the ship and want to throw him out of the airlock. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. What do you think? Because these lists will go in a battle to Instagram and Twitter. What do you think? Do you have chances of winning <laughs> the battle or... Do you think that we will be even, or do you think that I have no chance? You know, I think um, I don't have a good sense of it. Like I have to, I have to say, I don't think you gave yourself enough credit um, in terms of playing in that theme. So you definitely had some in there that I hadn't thought about, and reminded me of some games that I 
that I have that I didn't really think of in those uh, in those terms. So um, I think what'll be interesting, of course, is that some of the some of our choices appeal to very different people. I think there's some definitely there's some there's potentially some uh, some consternation in in making those choices. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play out. I'll just put it this way: I'm not I'm not putting any money on on this contest. Um, I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not confident enough in either direction to bet on anything. Yeah, that's true. They're really different lists, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. Although similar, we have no crossover, I think. No, we don't. Mm-mm. A bit similar, really. Well, we I... have Dark Moon, I have Battlestar Galactica, yeah. and I have Subterra, and you have Escape from Aliens. They are basically a bit similar. I, I think that they have a similar feeling, especially when the horrors come in Subterra, you try to avoid them, right. as you would as a human in Aliens in Outer Space. Yeah, and I think if you had been able to bring in your the Mansions of Madness and Arkham Horror, we definitely would have we would have overlapped um, in that regard. Yeah. Have you played Xenoshift? I haven't. I think I've actually got the Steam game. Um, of mm-hmm. it, but I've not. I think I got it in like an Asbo Day bundle, so I have never played it. Um, either the the digital I have or the or the the uh, analog game. That's one of the biggest surprises I had last year because mm. it was so good. It is really tense, and it's like Starship Troopers, the card game. Okay. It, well, it's really really surprisingly good. Uh, very ugly looking aliens <laughs> coming to eat you and the thing with that is um you can play to your your friend's table i mean it's a cooperative game yeah and if you're if you're if the other player gets an attack that he or she can't defend and you have some kind of a bomb in your hand you can play that there i mean you can really help the other directly mm-hmm. and you can play troops on the other's table but th- then of course that goes to their deck so you don't get that back anymore. But you can really cooperate and help to mitigate the bad draws because some of the <laughs> aliens that come there are really, really difficult. Yeah. They're, they're really bad. Well, yeah, this this is good to know because I've got the game on Steam. So I've, I've just never really played around with it. But this is a, mm-hmm. a good, a good uh, uh, impetus for me to revisit it. Yeah, I think you might like it if you like cooperative card games. I'll take. I will give it a look. <laughs> All right. You now you have two, Frears and Floors and Xenosift. Yep. But that would that would have been really high on my list also, if I was able to use it, because it's really really tense. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I'll come away with some new games to play. We'll pro- hopefully we'll <laughs> we hear hear about them on the show. We'll see if I like them as much as you do. Yeah, I, I hope so. You you might or you might not. I don't know. <laughs> You're so much story-driven, it seems to me, that you might or might not. It's really difficult to know. You know, it's... it's. I have been surprised at games that I have... I would have thought I would have hated. And I end up enjoying... You know, Escape the Aliens and Outer Space as an example. And then there's games I have every mm-hmm. reason to like that I have just could not get into. So... Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's just like I guess it depends on how how good of the designer or what I'm feeling that day or who knows what goes into it. Yeah, but but that's the great thing that people have their own opinions right. and are able to say them. <laughs> right. So you don't. Everything is not good. Yeah. And you don't have to agree with everything, and that is great. Yeah, I'll tell you one of the the humbling things, and and you probably have the same experience being you know, doing a, a a podcast is that we'll we'll talk about something and feel pretty confident about our our sense of it. You know, of of uh, I think we try to mm-hmm. not say something is good or something is bad, but mm-hmm. um, we are often uh, pretty surprised at how wrong quote-unquote, we'll get something that we didn't like um, or didn't get or, or legitimately thought was not a strong game to discover mm-hmm. that everyone else in the world just absolutely loves it. So uh, there's, there's, yeah, it's whatever whatever makes you happy, whatever you have fun with is a good game. Yeah, that's true. And you're not wrong. It's your opinion. You are correct in your opinion that's always. Right. Yeah. And as long as people understand that we are all humans and all our op- uh, opinions are subjective, right? Especially if we tell tell that we like the game for that reason or we hate the game for that reason. Yeah. Like I don't like Great Western Trail, but I understand that it's a good game for someone. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad game. It's just totally not a game for me. Yeah, absolutely. And fortunately, we have a a, a wealth of riches in the board game world. That yeah. There's it would be a shame if everyone liked the same game because there's so many games out there yeah. that you're going to find something that makes you happy and that you enjoy playing. Yeah, and you can't play everything. It's not possible. No. You no. can't play all the games from this year maybe in your lifetime. Yeah. Unless you're Tom Vassa or yeah. <laughs> some other crazy person who just plays. Yeah. Not that Tom is a crazy person. <laughs> I mean that who plays too many games. But... <laughs> <laughs> but but it's it's really difficult. There are so yeah. many releases. Yeah, you you've, you've got to make choices, and you and and yeah. and there's no reason to play something you don't enjoy just because someone else likes it. Because there's no there's no reason to do that. There's so there's something else out there that you'll enjoy more. Yeah, unless you're in my game group, you have to try these games once that I want you to try. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, all of our friends, you know, there's something about being the, being the friends of uh, a group of podcasters because I think uh, uh, people would enjoy getting to play the same game more than once and we're always dragging people into learning new games and playing new games. <laughs> and sometimes I'm sure it gets yeah. exhausting. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but that's that's what it is. Yeah. Some, some of my game group will listen to this so they know that they have to play once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are victims. <laughs> Sticking with sticking with the theme. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Hidden movement next. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's those those creepy elves. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And that's true. Anyway, thank you for joining us, Jeremy. And uh, if people want to find you, where can they find you, or where should they try to find you? So. Um, the come to the if you want to find the podcast the best place to go is uh, bluepigpinkpig.com or you know instagram social media twitter facebook just look up bluepigpinkpig we're out there um, mm-hmm. uh, if you if you're interested in what specifically i have to say i'm not sure that anyone in their right mind should be but 
I, I am on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at, at Piranoir, and I'll spell that because uh, it's a weird word, but at P-Y-R-A-N-O-I-R. It's my Twitter handle from before I joined the podcast, so I just stuck with it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm there talking about board game stuff and family stuff, and you can see pictures of the greenhouse if that is the thing you care about. They do. <laughs> Yeah, but thanks again for turning me and bye bye. It was a it was a great time. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. You can find this podcast from SoundCloud with username Mitapelataan. You can also find the podcast from Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Should be in Amazon Podcasts also at some point, and it should be found anywhere you listen to your podcasts. You can find me from Instagram and Twitter with username Mitapelataan. There's a page in Facebook, Mitä pelata, and you can just search by Mitä pelataan, and you should find me from many places. I have a blog, mitapelataan.wordpress.com, where you can find information about this channel and all the links to related media. You should be able to find me from YouTube as well by searching Mitä pelataan. You can send me email to mitapelataan at gmail.com. There's also a guild in BoardGameGeek number 3320. Interact in any way you can, comment anything up to you, but interact with me please. And if you listen this far, please leave a review, subscribe so that people find out about this podcast. And one more time, thank you for listening and bye bye. The music used in this series was Nightwalker by Sensent Pulse. Thank you for that. So this time the top nine list is horror games quite, <laughs> quite suitable for the year yes the theme was horror creepy or tension i wrote down yes is that true and why why in the world did you choose that kind of a topic well um yeah so for for what it's worth the the, I, the that is kind of the theme that i that i worked with that, that we discussed was yeah i i i, I wanted to think about games that have the horror themes are games that build some sense of, of, of tension or, or dread. And, you know, like I'm a, I'm a, uh, a fan of horror fiction, scary movies. And, and I think that it can be a cathartic experience to face down fear, um, it, creepiness. Do you still hear me? I don't hear you. Your own terms. So I think that um, horror is just a theme I've always enjoyed. Those who listen to the, the our podcast know that I'm also a gigantic H.P. Lovecraft fan, and anything having to do with Cthulhu and the mythos and so forth, I'm I'm all in on. And so that's a theme I'm pretty familiar with. But but uh, yeah, I mean, 2020 has been kind of a horrific year, so we might as well play some games about horror and uh take a little bit of control over that i guess is it my internet or yours it's not mine doesn't look like that
Maybe you've got the doomsday. Hey, are you there? Hello?